podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Yeah, good evening. It is Love Sport Radio, the weekend after some massive, massive results in the Premier League and the EFL. It's time for your fan shows once again, and we start as we do every single Monday at 7 o'clock on Love Sport with your West Ham fan show. Joining me, James Jones, Swapow. Evening. Any 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 better? Uh, no, no, I mean, we keep saying that one day we'll have a positive show, but I mean, we're getting there. Slowly, slowly, getting slowly catching yeah, up. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah, we've yeah. got some new blood in as well. Brad Inman, Brad, yeah, Brad Pinnard, Brad Inman, sorry, wrong, right. wrong <laughs> name, I don't, don't know where I got that from, uh, Brad Pinnard, how you doing pal? I'm good, very good, you good, you. yeah, big West Ham fan? Uh, unfortunately, yeah. Man and boy? Just boy. Just boy, fair play. <laughs> um, chaps, where do we start? Obviously, you know, the defeat against Arsenal, um, a lot of, not criticism falling on West Ham, but just a little bit of concern ebbing in somewhat. I don't, I don't know whether it's concern or, I mean, we're used to this. We're used to. I mean, it's the third time we've lost our opening three games in the last in the Premier League, but in a decade, I think. So I mean, we're kind of used to opening up with a defeat. But after all that positivity in the summer, with you know the hundred million pounds spent, new manager, new philosophy, this is like the, the so-called new era that we've been waiting for since we moved into that stadium, and we've started the way that we have. But against Arsenal, you could really see that there was something was happening. There was a little bit. Of po- there's a positivity coming out of that performance. We lo- we looked a lot better going forward. Um, we we weren't as poor defensively as we were against Liverpool in the opening day of the season. So, I mean, the performance was good. There were signs there that perhaps it's beginning to click amongst the players. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little less worried now than I was this time last week. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was a good performance against Arsenal. Um, completely the opposite from the Bournemouth game. So, I, I think the first points and win just round the corner now. Yeah, you, you you feeling positive. Talk to me about the style of play. I mean, look, I haven't had the chance to, to sit and look back and watch the 90 minutes over. I probably will actually sit and watch some form of highlights package. But what did you lack against Arsenal? I mean, obviously, West Ham opened the scoring. We lacked um, just conviction in front of goal. I think that was the main thing that we lacked. We looked good going forward. Every time we got the ball, we looked, we looked dangerous going forward. Anderson looked like he, he, he finally turned up after that big money move in the summer. It was a little bit quiet against Bournemouth didn't really sort of look too convincing against Liverpool but against Arsenal it, it, it seemed as though he'd really turned up and, and looks like he will he will be look like he will deliver that, that £40 million that we spent on him defensively I think we, we have perhaps improved I'm, I'm a little the only worry I've got is that Pellegrini still doesn't really know what his strongest back four is the first three games of the season we've had different, a different back four each time which is it's probably no surprise that we conceded nine goals but I think you know if we'd, have con- if we'd have converted you know, a few more of our chances in the first half, that game would have been dead, dead and buried. Yeah, I mean, the goals we conceded on Saturday, I thought you know, the second one's an own goal. You can't really do a lot about that. Borderline offside as well before that. And the last one's in the 92nd minute. So in my head, you can, you can scrape them off, to be honest. The first one was poor defending, but we looked so good going forward. I was lucky enough to be there, and I thought we were a much better side for over an hour. Mm. But we, 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 like James said, we weren't clinical enough. Arnautovic, Snodgrass, Perez all had good chances, but Arsenal put theirs away and we didn't, so that's why it was 3-1. 
Yeah. Um, in terms of stand-up performance, who who did you look at and think, yeah, you know what, they did it for me on yeah, I'm, Saturday? I'm not a huge Robert Snodgrass fan, but he was brilliant for us uh, on the right wing. He had Monreal on toast every time he got it. Um, he probably should have scored, which would have topped off his performance. But, yeah, Snodgrass was great. Anderson, as James said, finally turned up. And on the half turn, on the counter-attack, he looked fantastic. Um, Antonio was probably the weaker of the, the four attackers out there. But, like, like James says, Pellegrini doesn't know his best team, so he's slowly working out, I think. I think in, in the middle as well. I mean, I know Jack Wilshere didn't ever... Didn't it wasn't his best performance so far, and the rest. I think it was better against Bournemouth actually. Um, but alongside him, Carlos Sanchez got his start, and I thought I think he looked quite solid. A lot of people knocked that that signing in the summer. It didn't really fit into what it looked like we were trying to do in terms of recruitment. But he looked like he played really well. I, th- I thought he, he looked pretty solid alongside Wilshere. He really sort of protected that back four a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, Wilshere and Sanchez were both were both pretty in control. To be honest, they were played very sideways and backwards, but. They, they let the attacking players do what mm. do what they need to do with going forward, and I was more than happy with both of them just sitting there and trying to stop the likes of you know Ramsey and yeah. players Mkhitary and players like that trying to control the game, which they didn't. So they done their job. I mean, a, another concern as well is that Anatovic went went off injured, and then that was really that was really the opportunity for someone like Hernandez to come on and really show show that he can lead that line should he need to for, for periods that season if Anatovic does get injured or he does get suspended for whatever reason then you know we're going to need some because we do rely so heavily on Anatovic we, when he came on he just didn't look didn't look in the game No he was completely ineffectual to be honest when he came on uh, Perez done alright when he came on mm. um, against his former club he might have had a bit of a bit more oomph up him but he's uh, he, he played really well but Hernandez yeah I'm not a huge Hernandez fan I don't apart Why? from well, I just think he's a bit of a tapping merchant, and West Ham can't afford that sort of striker. Unfortunately, the way we play, we need everyone to be pulling their weight, and you know, Arnautovic does so much of what Hernandez doesn't. That's what makes him. Arnautovic wasn't exactly a striker though when you brought him in. He was no, a winger who's managed to convert himself. Funny enough, I saw your ex-manager David Moyes the other day, and uh, he, he looked very, very shocked when Arnautovic found out Arnautovic had scored. He was looking around like, oh yeah, it's good, it's good. I feel that Moyes was actually quite good for Arnautovic's career. 100%, couldn't agree more. Mm. With Hernandez, I think he needs service. Sheer, sheer, sheer service, and I think he'll start firing in the goals. But it depends on the style of play that West Ham are playing in. You know, if you're not going to be playing 4-4-2 or 4-3-3 wingers, you know, who are going to be flying, pinging the ball into him, and, you know, him challenging and running around like a little rat in the box, then you're not going to get the best of him. Yeah, we're not going to be a possession side this season. We're going to be a a counter-attacking team, and that needs... The centre forward to be the main focal point of that, and I just don't think Hernandez really does that for the team. And so, Arsenal head coach Unai Emery um, has come on and said that his side need to improve in transition. After, I mean, uh, the the win that they they achieved against Yormov on Saturday, I think a lot of people felt was unconvincing. Would you agree with his statements that they need to improve in in their transitional play, and and would you agree with the statement that it was an unconvincing win? I would say so. I think I think three one flattered them a little bit. As Brad said a minute ago, and Pellegrini said it as well, um, that their second goal was, a, was an own goal, a really fortunate own goal, I think, as well. And then, and then their third came came in the 92nd, 93rd minute when we were we were pushing out the pitch for an equaliser. So, had it not been for for the own goal, I think we probably would have could have potentially gone and snatched a winner. I think at two one, you, you, you leave yourself open, didn't you? It's particularly away from home when you're chasing chasing equaliser like that. And Arsenal do have the quality. Emery does have the quality to be able to make those chances. Um, you know, make make sort of create that little, little bit of space when the team's pushing forward. But I think Arsenal are only going to get better. I think we played them probably 
if we'd have played them a game earlier, I reckon we might have had them. I think they're, they're slow. They're a little bit like us, actually. You know, it's, it's a new, they're a new manager, new new team, new philosophy. And it, game by game, they're only going to get better. And we've seen that with us, and I think that's going to be the same with Arsenal. Yeah, well, I thought West Ham had a better team, to be honest. But, you know, as I said, Arsenal were a little bit more clinical, so they got the win. But I, I would, I'd be a little bit worried if I was an Arsenal fan. I can't see them challenging for the top four this season. Um, a little bit like us, I don't think their manager knows the best team, the best eleven. So it's going to take time for him to bed in, just as it is Pellegrini. But yeah, I, I, th- I thought West Ham deserved a point at least. Mm. Yeah. Deserved a point at least. Which I mean, it's not often we go to we go away to Arsenal and come away thinking, hey, do you know what, we should have won that or at least got a point. So mm. that that's the progress that we're seeing, and I think that's why we're we're a little bit more positive than we were last week. And yeah. that. You can really feel as if you really, really felt after that game that it's beginning to click amongst those how, players. How much is the slow start costing you, though? You know, obviously, you mentioned that over a long period of time, it's been the case that West Ham have been slow, one slow burners to warm up. Does this always cost you in the end? Well, yeah. I mean, the last time we won our opening day of the season was that that final that final game at the Bolin, and it's coincidentally we beat Arsenal away at the Emirates. But then that re- I, I always feel as if you know you win your first game, that gives you the opportunity to really kick on for us the season, um, and really gives you that that momentum going forward. We haven't been the, the fixture list hasn't been kind to us. The opening what, ten games or so have been pretty tough. So that's why winning our early games. I know you know you, you got Liverpool away, and then you got Arsenal away in, in your first three games. That Bournemouth that Bournemouth game at home. That was that was really important for that very fact that all of our away games are really difficult and we lost that. So you know it has been a disappointing start to the season in that respect. But you know we got Wolves at home on, on Saturday. We'll talk, you know we'll build up to that a little bit later on. But I think that game now is a lot bigger than it probably should be. And I think I think you know we need to now start getting points on the board early because otherwise we you know we do we are in danger of potentially happening happen to what happened to Palace last season where there were seven or eight games without point and they they ended up staying up. But you know that was a long hard season for them yeah I don't think West Ham started the season thinking survival I think they wanted to be mid-table of but, but you know if, if, if it comes down to it and we stay up we stay up that's, then that's, that's the aim but I think Liverpool away first game Arsenal away third game we didn't expect to get anything out of those games we, no. the, the Bournemouth one is the big disappointment but you know it, it, at the end of the day it is one game you know we've got Wimbledon in the cup tomorrow he's going to play a completely weakened team but you'd fancy us to still have enough to go through there and then on to Wolves who are also looking for their first win so it's a big game on Saturday but well, quite fancy us where do you think that um, I mean over the next few games you look at Wimbledon immediately tomorrow night and then Wolves on, on Saturday going forward is there a point where you start thinking yes maybe there is a little bit of concern or, or do you do you sit and, and, and just take the ride as it comes effectively Pellegrini because obviously he has this pedigree he's won trophies before in this country he knows what he's doing he's managed at the highest level do you just go yeah let it go let it go let it go no, I mean, if we if we lose tomorrow night against Wimbledon and then lose to Wolves on Saturday, then everyone starts to panic again. So the Arsenal performance will mean absolutely nothing, which, I mean, in a way, it already does. So, mm. you know, we, if we lose them two games, then there'll be the panic stations. I think we've got Chelsea and Man United coming up as well up, yeah. and in the next four games. So look, it's, every game's hard in the Premier League, and that's a bit of a cliche. But, you know, but I, th- I think West Ham's performance on, on Saturday gives us real momentum to go in and get a result. We just need to put our chances away. I, I don't think it'll get to that stage. As you said, you know, that, that Arsenal game and that Arsenal performance, I'd say, was... I think really convinced a lot of fans that perhaps were beginning to panic a little bit that it's not going to be as bad as everyone thought. I mean, I, I, I mean, I 
been on Twitter over the weekend and seeing a lot of the fans that I'm used to being quite moany and quite quite negative about the football club and you know we lose one or two games and they can be really really negative um, they were already being really positive which, which says a lot it, it, it does look as though although we lost the game and I think we were expected to lose the game going into it at the beginning um, we expect to lose lose the game at the beginning of the season So, but to come out of that on the back of that performance suggests that it's not going to be as bad as everyone thought it would be after those first two games and I think I think there's definitely reason to be quite optimistic but we've got to get as Brad said we've got to get the, the next difficult fixtures out of the way you know Wolves at home is not going to be easy we've got Brighton away coming up well, in in early October, that's not going to be easy. It's on a Friday night. Isn't it's it? on a Friday night. Last time we played Brighton on a Friday night, the battle was three 0 albeit that was at home. Um, so it's going to be. I think our, our next run of like nice fixtures come in December. I think we've got a nice run of fixtures in December. But other than that, we've got we've got a difficult run of fixtures. So we can navigate those, nick a couple of points, might maybe play a couple of one or, one or two of the top six teams and, and nick a point there or, or maybe beat I'm playing Man United haven't looked great have they so perhaps we can nick, nick, nick three points against United I do fancy against them this season um, yeah so as I said it, it's not it's not time to panic I said this last week as well even if we do lose tomorrow night against Wimbledon we do lose to Wolves at the weekend we've got to give Pellegrini time to get this right we can't afford to sack him because as I said before you end up going around full circle and appointing Sam yeah. Allardyce again. So, regardless of what happens, we've got to stick with him, and I'm convinced that he will get it right in the end. You convinced? Um, yeah. You convinced I, of the? I mean, look. Do you think there's been too much hype though over that? You know, the hundred million pounds. You look at it. Everyone's got West Ham hundred million pound. Felipe Anderson, Yarmolenko, all these big names, big name manager. Bang, instant results. Is there an expectation level off of fans, off of pundits, off of journalists? I think outside the club, there's an expectation level, but I, I mm. don't think West Ham fans are, were too optimistic. I mean, I I did a preview piece and I tipped us to come 14th, so that's about where we're aiming. I think that's about where we'll finish. To be honest, it's going to take come time. To, who? To come where, sorry? 14th. Okay. Between 14th and 10th in that top lower half. Mm. I think I think that's about where we are. I mean, I know people sort of tipped us for outside chances of the top seven or eight or whatever and things like that. But, you know, West Ham fans know that that's probably not going to happen. We're, we're, we're quite long in the tooth with stuff like this now. So we, But it's, as I said, the Arsenal performance was positive and we were the better team against what is one of the best teams in the country. So it's positive. Okay. Arsenal. Okay. <laughs> Would you agree that Arsenal are the, one of the best teams? They're in one the of the top six, aren't they? Surely. No. Yeah, I mean they are. They are officially one of the top six. Um, they they will finish. Let's the top be fair six. though. That's because fourteen other teams are battling relegation. <laughs> <in the last laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they will finish in the top six. I mean, as Brad said earlier, I don't think they finish in the top four. But he's right. You know, the, the quality that they've got, and they've got they've got a decent manager in. I know it's going to take time for them, but they have got quality. I mean, Mkhitaryan's. Uh, you know, a lovely little player I mean I know Urzel really? wasn't playing but he's not, he, you know, Urzel's not a bad I mean, player I mean from what I heard in the first half that Mkhitaryan was, was, was shocking no, nobody played well for Arsenal really West Ham dominated in the first half it doesn't half. take away the fact that they're not bad no they're still good no, players no, player has one bad game does make him a bad player look at Aubameyang brilliant he's a world class player um, can't hit a barn door can't hit a barn door, <laughs> a barn door. <laughs> yeah. but he ended the season well last season so I mean I think I think Arsenal aren't as bad as a lot of people claim claim them to be, and I think they will finish in top six. I mean, this is why, again, you know, I'm quite quite encouraged by the way that we 
we outplayed them at the weekend. Mm. Talk me through the lineup and talk me through how you think players did. I think we should bring that in every week. You know, like the player ratings. Let's have some player ratings. How do you think uh, everyone did? Let's start at the top with Lucas Fabianski. He had a really good game, actually. He had a really good game. He probably could have kept out one of the goals, but... He, the Arsenal say, fans, the Arsenal fans, absolutely loved him as well. They were giving yeah. him a clap every time he got the ball. But no, he, he was great. The back four were a lot more improved. Diop, I'm still not sure about him. I'd, I'd rather Declan Rice was playing back there rather than Diop. Diop looks a bit like a giraffe sometimes when he's running after the <laughs> 22 ball. Twenty-two million pound worth of giraffe, isn't he? Oh, it's an expensive giraffe, but <laughs> Jesus. No, I, I'm not really. I'm not really a massive fan of him so far. But again, he's only played three or four games, and he so you've got to give him time. You can't write someone off just after a few bad games. Where, where was Ogbonna? I'm not sure. He's 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 randomly just dropping players from the squad. Isn't yeah, he? Don't to Rice I mean, last week. But he's not just dropping them. He's just le- yeah, just leaving them out of the match day team and just whatever. It sort of shows that for the first time in a long while we have we have got options though. You know, West Ham's team used to pick itself because we just didn't have any other options. Yeah, yeah. At least we do have we do have cover for certain areas. I mean, Fredericks was much better at right. Yeah, how back. did he get on? I just wanted to find out. Yeah, no, he looked a lot better than he did against Liverpool. It was a really poor performance first game of the season, wasn't it? But he responded to being dropped. He was another one who was completely dropped, wasn't mm. he? For mm. the Bournemouth game, but he looks a lot better. I mean, Zabaleta just looks like he's towing a caravan, doesn't he? When he's running these days. I mean, he, he tries hard, and I, I love the man, but. Yeah, I think he's gone. To he's on his way. Yeah, I think he knows it as well. I mean, his legs aren't what they used to be. But where's Cresswell as well? Not quite. Has he still got a knock? I, I think he. I think he's still got a niggling injury. That's what I've heard. But Masuaku played all right. He's, he's doing all right. Can man. I just say to the people who, who tweeted me last week uh, talking about uh, Pablo Zabaleta and, and started laughing at me when I said that he should just hide, head back into holding midfield? There you go. I wouldn't have him anywhere near the, the, the team to be honest. I'm definitely not in midfield. Can hold in midfield? I don't think he's technically good enough. Really? I really? think he's quite an intelligent footballer. He just lacks... Yeah, he's got, he's got it all speed. in the brain, but his, his body just doesn't let him work anymore, so... You're really losing this battle, Aaron. You've been trying to bang that drum now for a week. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. No, I've, I've, I think Zabaleta's days are numbered, but, you know, Fredericks, luckily, does look like a decent replacement. Yeah, I was quite happy when we signed him. I was talking to our football league expert at work who, who said... Um, when we first we first came out, we were interested, and he was like, "Mate, he was the, be- he was the best right back in the championship this season." I, um, I'd say he was, but then again, I think Luke Ayling's a better player. Luke Ayling, he, uh, Leeds, class mm. act. With Ryan Fredericks going forward, he's he's absolutely brilliant. Don't get me wrong, pace, skill will will get past men, take it to the byline, and then the final ball's just like, oh, "Where's it going?" Questionable sometimes, you know. And yet again, defensively, sometimes he can be so susceptible. You know, just like leaving somewhere open, just going, yeah, I'll leave it to you, mate, and I'm I'm off, and he'll sit on the halfway line. But again, there's a big step up from Championship to Premier League. One hundred percent. I mean, he's played two games away at Arsenal and away at Liverpool. You know, last year he was playing away at Bristol City, so he's he's definitely taking the step bit up. Of a baptism of fire, isn't it? Yeah. But um, what what are your thoughts on Balbuena? I was, I mean, obviously I've never heard of him before we signed him. Yeah. I'm not one of these people who pretend to be an expert. Yeah. It's uh, he, he looks all right. He looks a lot better than his value. What did we get him for? Three that, mil, four mil? I think it was like four, 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 four five, something. Like that. Yeah, I mean, in modern day football, that's a that's a bargain for yeah, even a squad player, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, I was really impressed with him again. He was he was our best centre back again. Like he has been in all three games, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the Bournemouth game, I was really impressed with him. I thought, I mean, the only mistake he did make was where he kind of half-heartedly tried to tackle Wilson when Wilson ran through and got that equaliser for Bournemouth, but. Other than that, I think he looks a threat at set pieces. He looks a handful going forward in the yeah. corners, yeah. Yeah, and I, th- I think he's a big old lump as well. He's not bigger than I thought he'd be. Um, he, he looks just like a, just a solid centre-half, like no-nonsense. 
He's, he's clearly the one that Pellegrini likes because he's the only one who has played all three yeah, games Yeah, he's the so only far. mainstay, him and Masaraku. But yeah. I'd like to know what happened to Mbogbonna, but in, ter- in terms of midfield, were you surprised not to see Yarmolenko start and Antonio start instead? Yeah, I, it's got to be fitness-wise for Yarmolenko, otherwise I think he would have started. Antonio didn't really have much effect on the game. It looks like... I mean, from someone who from someone who I, I thought was a complete outcast and you know, the fact that you know he was being touted at clubs left, right and centre, mm. the fact he's actually been involved in games is, is quite shocking. Yeah, but Pellegrini's given everyone a chance. You know, even players who have since left, he's still given them a chance in pre-season. But Antonio didn't have a great game. But in the in the centre, I thought Sanchez and Wilshere was a decent partnership. They were, like I say, very sideways and backwards. They weren't cutting open the defence like you know you might want your two centre midfielders to do. But they just done their job and done it well. It was as if like that. That's probably what they were told to do. It's just particularly against, against a team like Arsenal, White Arsenal, was just to play it safe and let let the creativity come from the likes of Anderson at number ten. I think it, those that that midfield pairing were probably told right. You just protect the back four. You just play it safe and let um, let the likes of Anderson at number ten and Snodgrass and, and the like just sort of create stuff for Arnautovic going forward. Yeah, I, I said to you off air. I uttered the fatal word, but Anderson just reminded me of Pyatt a little bit in that game and his on the half turn, the way that he was spreading the ball. You know, he looked so dangerous. Mm. And luckily, he did have Arnautovic and Snodgrass up with him because they were also doing bits. So I was really impressed with Anderson. And obviously, I've, again, I've not seen too much of him probably watched three or four Lazio games over the last couple of years so I can't I can't claim to be an expert on him but he looks like a player what Masawaka at fullback how do you get him yeah, he's alright he's just he's just good to watch and he's good good bit of fun <laughs> he, he can't, he, I've never been a fan <laughs> he, he can't really defend that well but every time he gets the ball he makes me laugh <laughs> that's that's good at least he's offering something he's another that's one though we brought him in as a, a, a left winger didn't we yeah. and he ended up being a, a fullback I, I mean I, I heard the show last week and you guys have mentioned him maybe play him as the left-sided attacker of, of the three and I don't think that's a bad shot I probably would have played him over An- Antonio and then mm. maybe Cresswell left back when he's fit but I, I, really, I really like Masuaku going forward he's a good laugh Go, yeah, going forward he's brilliant I mean he can dribble the ball well can't he but then he did that outrageous bit of skill at Tottenham yeah that's, that, that's why I like him he's, he's good value and West Ham need a player like that in the team it'd be boring wouldn't it otherwise yeah yeah, yeah, it, it, it really, really would be boring. Um, <laughs> how does Snodgrass get on? Yeah, he was our best. He was our best player. Yeah, he's, he's just. I, I was. I was talking about last week. I think he's become a real general under Pellegrini. You know that one that you can just trust. Someone who who will go out and give you that six or seven out of ten every single week. I think that Snodgrass will one hundred percent become that. I, th- I I thought he was gone in the summer. I thought he was going to mm. go back to Villa or something like that. But he's started nearly every pre-season game. And then people were questioning why was he starting, and he just keeps starting every game, and he's getting better and better for me. But it came out not long after Pellegrini was appointed. It came out um, from inside the club, or you know, a, a source or whatever, that said that Pellegrini really likes Snodgrass. Yeah, really likes him, and then st- and that's when I thought, oh, you know, we might actually finally get to see him at his best. At the he club. was great for Hull before we signed him. Exactly, and we yeah. signed him in January, and he was he was pretty awful, wasn't he, in that second half of the season? Well, there was that wasn't there that story that Billich just like was bringing him on as a sub and went, oh, um, where do you want to play? <laughs> and Snodgrass was like, oh, I'll play it on the right, and he was like, okay, you're going to play it on the left, and he put him on and put him out on the left. Oh, that sounds like something Billich would do. Yeah. So, um, and that, I mean, that kind of will give an insight into why Snodgrass' first season, half season at the club, wasn't great. Because I think he looks in shape as well. He, he I mean, I'm, I'm not one to talk, but he, I mean, he looked a little bit larger. I think when we first signed him, but he's he's definitely worked hard in pre-season. He looks trim. He looks good. Yeah. 
and he's, when he cuts in on that left foot from the right hand side he looked so dangerous on Saturday yeah. if we had someone with Arnautovic up front I think we could have got another couple of goals yeah I'm quite happy that he's that he's getting his chance and as you said if he's going to put performances in like that I don't care who it is out there if they're going to put performances in then happy days it's good to see him have a go because I did feel a little bit sorry for him in that when he first arrived and it just weren't happening for him obviously him and Bilic didn't get on for whatever reason so um, I think he deserves a lot of credit because West Ham have gone out and bought two or three high profile wingers as well mm. and he's still one of the first names on the team sheet at well, the moment it, so it says a lot about him against Bournemouth he came over to our little corner to take to take a corner and the first one of the game and he, he sort of jogged over he knows they do and the whole of our corner stood up and like, clapped him yeah, I think they appreciate what he's what he's done. Yeah, and you could see sort of in his face he was a little bit shocked, just like, oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> they, they actually they, do they actually like don't me. they actually don't hate me. Yeah, they actually <laughs> like me. So uh, and it happened every every time he came over, everyone stood up and gave him a clap and you could see he was like really appreciative of it, the fact that fans fans like him. He's pretty uh, he's pretty vocal on social media, so he's probably had quite a bit of abuse because West Ham fans are are known for uh, giving a little bit out when someone doesn't play very well. Come so. on, a lot of fans are like that. Well, yeah. Fair. It's not just West Ham fans, is no, it? No, he's, he's, he's probably had a little bit over the last six months or so. Now, I've read some pieces on, on Jack uh, Wilshere, especially by Arsenal um, bloggers and, you know, writers, effectively, who, who, who are kind of cynical about Jack Wilshere. They've turned around and said that it's evident that his career sort of finished. He's slow, he, he, he's sort of very laboured in the midfield, he, he doesn't look like the player he once was. Do you think that's a harsh sort of indictment on him or do you, do you think that they have some sort of fair point to make? I think it's a mixture of both. I think, I think it's harsh in the fact that you know, you've, got, you've got a player here that has had his injury problems over the years, more often more than any other player maybe barring Andy Carroll in the Premier League so okay if you've got a player that's always or more often than not inj- injured you know the majority of his career he's not going to maintain that level of quality is he he's, he's, he's going to lose a little bit he's going to lose a yard of pace he's going to lose a little bit of that creativity a little bit so I think it's harsh but at the same time I mean he wasn't great against them that's probably clouded their judgement a little bit but he was quite good against Bournemouth so I think it's harsh but mo- most fans are quite bitter about ex-players aren't they yeah I'm a half thought he played quite well against Arsenal he didn't do anything wrong but I mean he just didn't stand out like some of the other players did but the first game of the season against Liverpool him and Noboy midfield just didn't work they're mm. like, like the Cray Twins running around the midfield trying to <laughs> kick people it was ridiculous <laughs> uh, but to be fair to him he's come out and he's he's gone from a team who are possession based and you know he, there's, he's always always got people winning the ball back for him and giving it to him to do something with the ball whereas he hasn't got that at West Ham we're not going to be having 70% possession in games we're mm. going to be having 30-40% possession so he's got to change his game quite drastically I think and I think he's slowly getting a fair play to him for actually stepping up I think yeah I've got a lot of respect for him for, I mean he could have stayed at Arsenal it was very easy to sit on the bench and sit on the bench play cl- the old cup game collect what whatever what, I mean he must have been on I think, I think he's on probably similar similar at West Ham to yeah, where he was there a lot of money he could have sat sat back taken the old cup game as, as Brad said and just sort of like watched his career peter out at Arsenal sign a four year deal and get a move at the age of 30 and, and go from there But he, he, he was devastated about not making the England squad wasn't he I mean, yeah. he'd, he'd come out on social media and said, would you said reckon he would have done any damage in the England squad I, I just don't think Southgate liked his attitude I think he wanted a different sort of attitude in there rather than 
someone who's just going to, like you say, he was, he was a little bit comfortable at Arsenal, wasn't he, where he was just knocking the ball around, playing the odd game here and there, but whereas he, he took players like Loftus-Cheek, who were really hungry for it, weren't mm. they? So I think it was the right decision now, looking back. At the time, I probably thought he should have been in the England squad when it was first announced, but looking back, you know, Southgate knows what he's doing. I don't know whether Jack, Jack Wilshere to Gareth Southgate kind of represented the old guard a little bit. Maybe, yeah. Um, and you, it was clear that Southgate wants to change the philosophy and the and like the whole atmosphere within that dressing room after what happened at, at the Euros. I don't know whether he just felt, I don't know what, he probably just is a little bit too old, old guard for me. Yeah, I know. freshen it out. Wilshire saying the other day that he, he's playing to get get back into the England squad, and unfortunately for him, I don't think that's ever going to happen, no matter mm. how well he plays for West Ham. But he, he, he had Carlos Sanchez in the middle with him. I mean, a player that was brought in sort of as a, a backup player, but hasn't done too bad starting. When he came on against Bournemouth, I thought he looked, you know, again, I mean, he wasn't like, outstanding, but he came on, he, you know, he pinged the ball about, didn't didn't put a foot wrong, just did his job, and you know, and then and then he played well against Arsenal, so he has looked pretty well. And I, I mean, I'd be surprised if he doesn't start again against Wolves at the weekend. I think he, he may have done enough to really nail down a position. I think Noble might struggle to get back in the team after sitting out Saturday. It could be Wilshere Sanchez double act. Yeah, yeah, but I, I can't see Noble walking straight back into the team. He, he might play tomorrow night against Wimbledon if he's fit, but I can't see him playing against Wolves. I think the great Mark Noble debate is really going to ramble on this season about him sort of coming to, not the end of his time at West Ham United, but at the end of his, his powers as a, as a Premier League midfielder. And, you know, he, he's not that all-action, lung-busting midfielder anymore. No, I, I, I can't really see him playing for anyone else, to be honest. I can't see him dropping down to the Championship and... I don't think for like Nottingham Forest or something. I, th- I think he'll end end up at the den or something. Like that. No, he, w- he won't be allowed in. I, I can't imagine he'd, he'd want to leave. I, th- I think he'd be, he's now at a stage of his career where I think he'd be quite happy just sitting in for a bench role. I mean, he'll, he'll, I think he'll become a coach and youth coach or something like that. Maybe yeah. a manager eventually one day. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how old is he now? 33, 34, something. Like that. For, I don't know. He's got to be sort of early thirties, thirty-two, thirty-three. Yeah. Maybe. He's thirty-one. Thirty-one. He, he, he runs like a thirty-five-year-old. Bless him. All the all those uh, all those big challenges have, have have done some damage maybe on the uh, on the parts. Over yeah, it's like it's like a boxer, isn't it? Who's, who's exactly. gone rounds? Exactly. Well, like an old car. All those resting fans of pitches and stuff. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> uh, like an old car, mate. Um, I tell you what, chaps. Let's get an alternative view to uh, tomorrow night's um, game. It's uh, the Carabao Cup. It's down at Kings Meadow. It's Wimbledon versus West Ham. Joining us now is Nick Japer from the Nine Years Podcast. Evening, Nick. Even Aaron, you're right. Yeah, very well. Thanks, pal. Joined by uh, James and Brad from our West Ham fan show. Now, Nick, I mean, look, you know, it's it's been sort of a mixy start to the season for Wimbledon. Real positives, and then you know, not so much disappointment uh, from from midweek and yesterday, but just uh, a disappointment at, at the officials and a disappointment at the fact that you know Wimbledon haven't been able to sort of convert their chances. Yeah, performances have been a lot lot better than results. Um, which is probably something that West Ham will um, sympathise or empathise with, I guess, after after the weekend. So it's about the two teams that perhaps performing slightly better than results suggest. And and what can West Ham United expect tomorrow night? It's going to be uh, a, you know a sellout. Let's be fair; it's going to be uh, a, a real packed atmosphere. What 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 do you think they'll expect when they go to, down to Kings Meadow? I mean, the idea of Manuel Pellegrini being stood in our dugout is one I think we're all looking forward to. It's a bit of a culture shock coming down to Kings Meadow. Is it it still the smallest stadium in the whole of the Football League? Um, 
not the most intimidating. I wouldn't say it's the most intimidating of venues, but it's certainly an uncomfortable one. And not only will the fans be right on top of the players, which they won't be used to, but um, the team will be. I mean, we are this season 100% every single game, every single player puts in a shift. I don't think Sunderland, we, we lost to Sunderland on the weekend, but I don't think many teams will test them as much as we did. Um, in your faces, really direct style. I think it's going to be uncomfortable with that. If West Ham squad, I'm, I'm assuming, uh, I think Pellegrini's come out and said there will be changes. We were expecting there to be changes for them. But they're going to have to be up for the battle more than anything else, I think, tomorrow evening. West Ham are, are famed for losing to lower league opposition. Um, do you really, do you really feel? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you do. I mean, do you really feel as if there, there's a real potential for an upset tomorrow night, given that that West Ham probably will be playing changes and it will be a culture shot for West Ham in that you know it's, it's a small stadium, the fans will be on top of them. They're not used to that uh, somewhere like the London Stadium where the fans are miles away. Um, do, you, do you really fancy yourselves for, for a bit of an upset? I've got to be honest, I do tomorrow evening. Um, it's rare for me to say that. It's, I think we're looking at a squad this season where we've got a lot more experience than perhaps in previous years. We've got James Hansen up top who went to the League Cup final with Bradford many years ago. Scott Wagstaff and Anthony Wordsworth, I expect, will both play in midfield tomorrow. Liam Trotter in midfield as well. So I think we've got players that won't shy away at all from this sort of game that will actually play to their strengths. And as I say, without knowing exactly the nature, this is always a problem when you play these games, you don't know the exact nature of your side and how West Ham are going to line up but I think they are as I say just they're going to have to be up and ready for the battle and win the battles before they can start to try and show their, their Premier League quality Yeah I mean I think there's a reason that Sky Sports have put it on I think that they are, they also expect <laughs> that they could be uh, yeah. they could be yeah. a shock I mean West Ham will make 11 changes from, from Saturday I've got no doubt about that but some of the players coming in like Javier Hernandez and Yarmolenko and these players who are worth tens of millions of pounds they are going to be in for a shock aren't they there's no two, no two ways about it yeah I think the only the only game we can compare it to from our perspective is when we we hosted Liverpool uh, a few years back in the FA Cup I think the BBC put that one live at the time as well and there were a number of players I mean that was a Mario Balotelli squad the Liverpool team that turned out that evening there was one player for Liverpool that won the game for them and that was Steven Gerrard and that was I mean Steven Gerrard's a world class player but that's also because of his attitude and the way he went about the game and I think that's where it's that's what it's going to be. I think um, I didn't realise Hernandez was perhaps in in, um, in line for a start, but um, I think he's the sort of player that will will be up for it. Um, that worries me somewhat, if I'm being honest. <laughs> so, yeah, as I say, it's it's all about who can just it's, it's winning those the first twenty twenty five minutes will, will tell us all about how we expect the game to go. And I think if if we sniff blood in those first fifteen twenty minutes, I think it could be a long evening for you. So, what what players should Pellegrini be telling? Telling his his players to look out for at Wimbledon. <laughs> um, I think I've already mentioned too. For me, um, I'm expecting we don't know, of course, but I expect because uh, we've got a winger that's coming from Dover, Mitch Pinnock, a young lad coming from non-league, so I'm really, 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 really well to begin with. But um, perhaps hasn't got quite got the match fitness yet. So I expect Scott Wagstaff, who's been around Gillingham, Bristol City. Um, puts in great deliveries with his right foot. Anthony Wordsworth in centre midfield, I expect to start again. Again, same. It's, we're very direct, so we're going to put a lot of balls in the box. And then once we, we get Wagstaff into positions, Andy Bartram can take on the full-back on the other side. And then we're looking at, we expect it will be Joe Piggott and James Hansen starting. Quezia Pye, who was injured on Saturday, he is in contention. Apparently he trained today after a bit of an ankle injury. He has got quality at a higher level in the past. So 
he's one to watch if he plays. He's also made a glass, unfortunately, which doesn't help. But um, yeah, that's that's your main one. I really think our midfield tomorrow is going to be the key one. Gent, tomorrow night Wimbledon, the Carabao Cup. Is this a game where if you lose it, it'll have a more profound effect on the team rather than if you win it? I mean, winning it, yeah, cool. Everyone will be like, yeah, job done, simple. Keeping it, you know, keeping it rolling effectively like that. But lose it and it's like, right, okay, what's going on now? I don't think so. Um, I can see why fans would be a little bit worried if we were to lose it, but if it is going to be 11 changes, which we think it will be, then... That's not the eleven players that are going to go out and then face Wolves at the weekend, is it? So I don't think I don't think we can really afford to lose because of the reaction from the fans. And we all know that West Ham fans can can have a real um, effect on at the atmosphere at London Stadium because we saw that a lot last season, didn't we? And I think I'd have every right to moan if we do, do lose to Wimbledon, low league opposition again. But I don't think it will really have any kind of effect on how our season is going to pan out. Um, but Pellegrini does like the League Cup. He won it twice with City, didn't he? So perhaps he might have one eye on it again. I think West Ham have been in the quarterfinal last two years as well. We've got we got a pretty good record in the uh, yeah semi final twice as well. So, yeah, the FA Cup not so much, but the Carabao Cup we seem to have a good record in. We we take it borderline serious. Mm. Whereas quite a lot of Premier League clubs don't. And we said earlier that we feel like we've got options now. We can make eleven changes, and there'll be eleven household names out there players who we know and we trust to go out there and have a good game whereas a couple of years ago we would, we would literally just put the kids out and we wouldn't mm. have a clue what was going to happen yeah I mean you might, we might, if we do make 11 changes I mean Yarmolenko is going to start playing the Champions League last year um, and Andes just played in the World Cup and Andes just played in the World Cup he can start you know who do um, you expect I mean let's let's pin out a little team who do you expect it'll be Adrian in goal Adrian yeah I think Zabaleta will come back in Zabaleta and Cresswell if he's fit yeah if Rice Rice and Ogbonna Ogbonna if he's fit I yeah. don't know what happened with him Yeah I think Noble will play if he's fit Noble and Obiang in midfield maybe Yeah I forgot about Obiang Good player Yeah y- Yarmolenko Hernandez Perez and Perez yeah, I think Perez might start I mean I mean, that that's a Yeah Three players who have played at the highest level Playing away at Wimbledon It could be a bit of a shock for both sides Or for them or maybe, maybe, for, maybe, for, <laughs> maybe for them as well Yeah I mean as you said, it's it's nice to to have that depth now, where we can make so many changes, but still be able to field players with the calibre of the likes of Yarmolenko, Chicharito, uh, Lucas Perez, uh, even Mark Noble, who's a who's a Premier League veteran. You know, he's been playing for fourteen to thirteen seasons, fourteen seasons. Um, Pedro Obiang's been you know he's, he's been playing at a high level, so. It's nice to have have those players available, and I think I don't think we're going to lose tonight. I think I think it'll be a comfortable two two or three nil win. It's not going to be a rout. That's not what West Ham do. Um, we only just scraped past Cheltenham last year at this at this stage, didn't we? Yeah. Yep. It's like two nil. Andre and Defasaco. Yeah, I mean, you look at those two. We've definitely upgraded on those as our mm. subs this year, haven't we? So. It's nice to have it's nice to have a bit of uh, depth in the squad for the first time in a long, long time. Yeah, I think um, I think that as, as I said before, though, I think this is a competition that Pellegrini's going to have an eye on. Um, I think it's important that we do look at having a cut run. As Brad said, we we do tend to take this this competition half seriously, and that we we, we regularly get to the quarters. Mm. Um, and I think given Pellegrini, Pellegrini, I think will will 
be thinking, do you know what, it's my first season back in England, I want to make a bit of a statement. He's not going to do that in the Premier League with the players that we've got. And, you know, we're, we're not Man City, are we? We're West Ham. So he's going to look at a cup like the Carabao Cup and go, that's a winnable competition for us. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, I think he'll take it quite seriously. And, I mean, just feel like we're repeating ourselves, but the fact that he has got so much depth means he can take it seriously, but also rest players, you know. Yeah. And that's yeah. unheard of. I mean, we've got a few youngsters that coming up through the reserves, this uh, Andre Silva. But was banging them in for the development squad. Five and, five and three or five and four? Yeah, right? I mean, the development squad's not where it used to be. I mean, we've seen what uh, Tony Martinez, he was touted for big things and he can't get a kick for the first team. He's like out on loan again, isn't he? But I don't think the development squad is a reflection of modern-day football. But if he's scored five goals in three games, having not played in England before... Mm. You know, maybe we'll stick him on the bench, give him twenty minutes at the end. Maybe. Yeah. No, I'd be. I, th- I think. I think. I would be quite surprised if he isn't involved in the squad purely because of the impact he's had since he since he signed for the development squad. So, again, that's another player, and we have, do have quite a lot of youngsters. You forget like Declan Rice might play, as you said. Reece Oxford might be involved yeah, if he, isn't, Oxford, if he yeah. isn't being sold or loaned out or whatever is happening with him. We spoke about him last week. Josh Which, Cullen as well, but he might be going on loan to Charlton. I think. Charlton, yeah. yeah so, so, but there's, there are a number of players. I mean. I was quite surprised he Haxabanovich leave online because mm. he looked like he was getting opportunity in pre-season. Yeah, pre-season he played a few, yeah. And this is this is a game that we could probably we could have probably put him in yeah. for and stretch the old legs, yeah. you know. Yeah. We see Martin Noble tomorrow. Night? Hopefully, yeah, that'd be a perfect Seeing game for him. Old legs. Him, him and Pablo. He'll be running around the centre centre circle. Yeah. He's closing in on 450 West Ham appearances, so he'd be itching to start chalking up these little cup games just yeah, to, uh, nice. just to get there. I mean, we, we we laugh about it, but he's he's been fantastic for us, hasn't he? Yeah. A wonderful, wonderful man. Brad Pinard. How's it going? It's his debut, isn't it? Debut. It's your yeah. debut. It's your debut. How's, how's it been? I think I'm pulling it off quite well. I think you've done all right, man. You've yeah. done all right. A so, sol- solid midfield performance. Yes. Yeah, Mike Noble-esque. Yeah, basically. Definitely. Basically. Or any other former West Ham solid midfielders you want to... Hayden Mullins. Thought I'd get him in there. I think Hayden... Ma- Oh, no. Hayden Mullins was the sort of person that you, sort of, you didn't really realise he was there but he always did a good job but I know you're here Nigel Quasi God yeah. no take that <laughs> take that Christian Daly the, the relegator yeah Don Hutch yeah Scott Parker box to box he'll take Scott Parker sort of right, yeah he loves a 360 similar Barnet definitely a similar Barnet yeah he's, he's a Barnet's like really he's done, he's, he's, I think he's had something done it's improved it's really <laughs> significantly improved got a lot more volume these days um, let's look at uh, at the squad in general Marko Arnautovic how important has he become to West Ham is he your most influential player 100% yeah, yeah. Like he's the only one who can actually score a goal to be honest yeah I mean Mark Noble said that the reason why I gave him the penalty was just to give give Mark uh, against Bournemouth, give Mark um, Anatovic a confidence boost at the first game of the season, just so he could start hit the ground running and start scoring goals. And it looks like it's worked, but that shows how important he is to us. You know, if, if he's not firing, then more often than not, West Ham won't fire him, um, which is crazy. Like we said earlier, that you know uh, we got someone like Chicharito sort of waiting in the wings, but against Arsenal we didn't really do it. So I think that proved to us that. Arnautovic is our most important player and hopefully he, he limped off against Arsenal hopefully he's not I mean he'd be back for Wolves he was never going to play tomorrow night anyway was he so hopefully he's, he's not that injured we, we need him for the Wolves game if he's yeah. if, if he's not there then I just can't really see where a goal's going to come from as, as positive as it was against Arsenal you know nobody else looked like really scoring no he's, he's that sort of player that will he'll, he'll bully defenders but 
he'll go in search of the ball and he and, and he'll try and run in behind. He causes people all sorts of problems. Um, whereas that's not really what Hernandez does, is it? Hernandez no. is sort of he'll, he'll try and you know he, he spends most of the game offside and you know he tries to sort of get lucky with one or two little runs in behind. But whereas on Twitch will come searching for the ball, but he'll hassle defenders. You know he'll make he'll, he'll bully people. He'll make a real you know nuisance of himself. I think he's, um, I think he's quite underrated in the air as well. He's yeah, you know, he get puts himself yeah. about massively. But I mean, I know he missed a couple of chances on Saturday, but he can also finish. I mean, that, the goal he scored on Saturday was a superb take. Yeah, lovely goal. Um, and we've seen him score plenty of those. I mean, his first one for West Ham against Chelsea last year that was a really nice goal. Yeah. So we can, I think he's what he's been involved in over twenty goals since he signed for us, which says a lot given that he spent the first six um, six months with us out the team, not playing well or suspended. So. He's important to us, and I think you know we, we we really need to wrap him up in cotton wool because if he if he does get injured for long periods, then we literally don't have anyone. Obviously, you know there is concern about his fitness at the moment and what what the state of his injury is. Is it any news? No, I've, I've heard absolutely nothing other than no. what Pellegrini said after the game was that we'll find out today, which we haven't found out. No, I think the club club have probably been a bit quiet on it. I mean, which is worrying. The old saying is no news is good news, but when it comes to injury news. More often than not, it's on the contrary, isn't it? It's it's the other way around. They try and try, they're probably working out how they're going to let the fans know that we're going to be missing him for a couple of games. Yeah, I mean, if he if he's missing for a couple of games, it'll be it'll be Hernandez up front, won't it? And we do lose a bit of cutting edge with that. Maybe Perez. I don't know whether Perez. I mean, he looked sharp at Bournemouth. He looked yeah, sharp when he came he on at was, Arsenal. It was it was fine when he came on, but I'm I'm not sure he's going to be a ninety minutes centre forward. No, no. I mean. As we said earlier, I think he'll start tomorrow, Perez, and maybe that'll give us a, an idea of what we can get, what we can expect from him from from the start of a game. Whether he can be a, a player that potentially could play 65, 70 minutes and then let Hernandez come off the bench, but I don't know what that what that means for Hernandez's future at the club if Perez comes in and then takes his spot. Yeah, I mean, there was, there was rumours that Hernandez might leave in the summer, wasn't there? Mm. But I don't think anyone really coming for him to be honest so there's there's no chance of him going anywhere but I mean if, if Arnautovic is injured then good luck to Hernandez he's got a chance to put a few put a few balls in the net and yeah. keep his place any update on Andy Carroll oh god two months is still he still there is he he's, st- he's still knocking about his last year contract last year I think since oh. last year it's the dream um, no don't get me wrong I love Andy Carroll I really don't um, you said you're the first person to say that including his missus don't you? <laughs> I do, I do love Andy Carroll. I mean, because whenever he scores, it's always a really important goal. It's just we only we only see him for like ten games a season, um, and even then, the ten appearances off the bench rarely starts. When he does start, he's either sent off or limping off, up, you know, in the second half. But he scores. He does score. I mean, how many times did he come off the bench last year and nick a winner? Yeah, he did get important goals, but oh, I just I think he's a bit of a waste of space now. I'm I'm a bit fed up with him. Oh, do you reckon they're going to let him go on a free? Well, yeah. he, uh, they, he definitely won't get a new contract, so you won't be able to sell him. No, well, unless someone like I mean Newcastle, the only club we could sell him to, just for nostalgia's sake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if they if they bid ten million in January, someone like Everton would buy him. You know, someone someone with a lot of money. If Big Sam was still there, then cash 100%. on the hip with, with with no real brain. Th- this is the thing because the only team he's really going to go to is a team down down the bottom of the league that are going to play to his strengths. It's a, there aren't many teams that are going to are going to take him because he doesn't fit he doesn't fit Pellegrini's style. He really really doesn't fit Pellegrini's. He's style. like the complete opposite counter attacking pacey team. Yeah, so. 
I think, I think Newcastle. I think Newcastle and Mike Ashley needs to do something to get the fans on side as well. This is my. I'm using my. The trouble is, is Mike Ashley going to pay Andy Carroll what he wants wages wise, and I just don't think he's going to want to do that. I don't know. I think I just think they're the only club who could come in for him if anyone would. Mm. But at the end of the day, he's going to go on a free any next summer. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be fussed either way if we do keep him until next summer. And he, you know, he's, he's not a bad option to have. If we are chasing a game and, you know, five minutes to go and we're chasing an equaliser, but that's not Pellegrini style, so just see what happens in the summer. I think, I think, it's, a bit, I think it's over for him, isn't it? I think it is, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be surprised me if he just he, he did a crouch and ended up sort of just playing for the yeah, likes of journeyman. Stone. But Yeah, a bit of a journeyman, two-year contracts until he's 36, 37. Ended up in the championship and maybe nodding five goals in throughout the season and see what goes on from there. And then, yeah, that's Andy Carroll's future. Bright. <laughs> bless him. Oh, I bless mean, but him. I, do, I do love him. As I said, because when he does score, it's always an important goal. He never scores like the third of a 3 0 win, although he did that over a kick against Palace. But other than that, he, he won't. It's always a winner off the bench. I mean, last season, I think it was Stoke at home. We were 1 0 down. Crouch scored, in fact, for yeah. them. And he came off the bench and scored a volley in the last minute. And that goal meant that was was such a huge goal for us because Stoke were catching us and mm. were gaining three points on us suddenly we were getting one point each and then two games after that we were safe so that that was a huge goal but I'm, I'm still not having him he did the same against West Brom mm. Swansea I think as well so he loves he loves an important goal but I think he's, he's time at West Ham's up he's given us what five years of Misery. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually did some research on, on it. I mean, this was about a year ago I was doing it, and, and he'd already missed, I think it was 100 games. Yeah, I mean, look, it's sad. You know, you're, you're, we're going to sit here and laugh, and, you know, I'm sure Twitter's going to have a really big laugh when he's finally released, and you're going to see those really stupid memes coming up and all that. Great, cool, happy, lovely. It's quite sad. You, you feel for him a bit, and you feel like, you know, oh, and oh, you know. I think some of his injuries... I don't think he's is as unlucky as players like Jack Wiltshire. I think I don't think he looks after himself in the way that a professional footballer in the Premier League maybe should. You know, he's pictured out in the pubs all the time. I've got no got no problem with players going down the pub and having a beer, but I think there was just when he first joined West Ham anyway, there was a lot of it. It yeah. felt like it was a weekly thing. Yeah. Seeing Andy Carroll down Canary Wolf in the slug and lettuce having a few drinks. Oh, I've been out a few times and, and saw him knocking about in Loughton. Yeah, quite a few times. So, well, that's why he found his missus. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, uh, one thing I didn't, one thing I didn't buy the excuse that oh, well, you know, you see him give 120 percent in games. He's like that in training as well. It's just like, well, tell him to stop giving 120 percent in training. Then. That was the Allardyce excuse for him. Yeah, getting injured, wasn't it? Uh, you know, no wonder he's getting injured all the time. He's, he's he's training like he's playing a game. It's like, well, tell him to slow down then. Yeah. But I, I never bought that excuse. It's like, well, you can't just go. Oh, well, you know. He played 90 minutes in training, so he's, he's done his Achilles tendon. The start, well, you've got to tell him to stop doing that. But then getting ever injured, it'd be the same excuse. So I don't, I don't doubt that he's had, he has been slightly unlucky. But at the same time, you're right. I don't think he has looked after himself as, as well as he should have done as a Premier League footballer. Uh, you want to talk about Declan Rice? Yeah, well, there's a lot come out today that you know he's still considering his international future, and that um, he hasn't been called up for for Ireland in the the latest squad. Might I know hasn't selected him. Um, and hinted that it's because he's still unsure whether he wants to play for Ireland or England. As we were saying off air, Brad, I, I think 
I think he'd be mad to pick England because he's never going to. I mean, West Ham players don't, go, don't get selected for England anyway. But with with, with Declan Rice, I, I think you're completely right. I don't think he's going to. I mean, he's not going to break into the England squad. He's it? not. No. Because he needs to get in West Ham's team before he thinks about playing for England. So and he's, he's played at every age group from 16s upwards for Ireland. He's played four times in friendlies for them. I think. You know, it's just come out of the blue a little bit where um, Martin O'Neill said that England have spoken to him. So England have clearly approached him, whether it be Southgate or someone else at the FA. They've, they've approached Rice and said, look, do you want to play for England or are you going to be playing for Ireland? So Martin O'Neill was, was actually quite gracious with it. I think a lot mm. of people could have could have taken that the wrong way. And I think quite a lot of us saw Kevin Kilban classic Kevin Kilban tweeted earlier that mm. it took him it, he knew when he was 10 years old that he wanted to play for Ireland even though he could have played for England and things like that he came out and said that straight away when Declan Rice his future was up in the air so I think I don't think the Irish people would have taken it as well as Martin O'Neill no I, I, I don't know I think it wouldn't surprise me if it was, if it was Southgate that approached him if, if someone from England has approached him and spoken to him because he's the sort of player that kind of fits into that Southgate Sort of philosophy, like the his, his attitude's impeccable, um, and he's a good, solid player, and he's young. And I think, I mean, he's the sort of player that Southgate probably would have an eye on and go, Do you know what? I could probably mould him to something. But you're right. If he's not going to, he's not. If he's not playing week in, week out for West Ham, then he's got no chance of getting into England team because that's Southgate picks players on merit, not on. Yeah. Not on who you play for, you know, or whether, whether he just likes you. Yeah. It's not like it was before at England. So if I if I was him, I'd be I'd be sticking with Ireland. It looks like he's a first choice player at Ireland. He's start, started all four games that he's played, um, and there are you know by all accounts he's played he's played well in all four games. I think one man of the match on his debut, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. So he'd be mad. I think he'd be mad. But clearly, someone's got in his ear. He seems to think that potentially there's a chance for England, but I, don't I mean, know. look if he get, if he gets into West Ham's team and he plays every game from now till Christmas, who's to say that he can't be one of the backup centre halves for for England? I mean, it sounds like Joe Gomez is going to get a recall. Jaden Sancho from Dortmund, it sounds like he's going to get his first call up this week mm. as well when Southgate announces his squad. I think it's tomorrow or the day after. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it looks like he's going to go even more even more youth than he did for the World Cup. So. Fair play to Southgate. That's what England fans have wanted to see, but I think Declan Rice is one step too far. <laughs> yeah, gents, let's talk stadium now. London Stadium. Who, who can fill us in properly? I think it's confusing, isn't it? Uh, it's a little bit confusing. So, stadium owners E20, uh, they they sort of released their accounts for the last financial year uh, uh, I think it was just what, the end of last week or perhaps over the weekend uh, and they they recorded an annual loss of uh, 22.7 million which to any company is going to be crippling um, but for for the likes of London Stadium where they're, they're, they're only relying on what two and a half million quid rent a year from us which is nothing um, and then I, I think that's pretty much their only, apart from much um, concerts and, and the athletics meets and, and stuff like that. They're not really getting in, getting much else in in terms of income. So, and I think it, it, in the accounts it suggests that you know with, they've probably got enough to to continue for the next couple of months before they go into to they might be forced into administration, which kind of does open the door for. But, but like that was kind of obvious, wasn't it? It was always going to happen. 
It was always going to happen. I mean, someone quite high up at the club told me six months after we moved in to the stadium that the owners of the stadium were hemorrhaging money. They were running out. They were they were losing money, and they were unhappy by the fact that they were losing a lot of money very very quickly. And that well, was six no, one, no one's happy to lose money. Yeah, but that's six months after we moved in, and so that, that they very very quickly realised that uh, we might have made a mistake here. They got they got a rubbish deal out of West Ham. Got an unbelievable deal out of going yeah. to that stadium. I know that the fans don't particularly like it there or whatever, but financially they got a ridiculously good deal. The, exactly. the stadium still pay for still pay for all the match day sort of policing and things like that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. West so Ham don't pay for that. J- just smells inside job to me. <laughs> Yes. But yeah, so clearly dodgy. The the the, the rumour is that I think there's been a lot of talking on Twitter d- today and yesterday that it was West. The, this is exactly West Ham's plan. They knew this was going to happen from the very very beginning, and they were like, right, okay, let's just get, get let's, let's lease it for a little bit, and then wait for it to all go pear shaped, and then we can just jump in. And that, now, if, if they if E20 do go into administration, then that opens the door up for West Ham to go to the administrators and just give them a, a cheeky little low offer. The administrators are going to going to consider anything. Given that we're tenants, they're going to consider us, aren't they? Well, what if someone else comes in? Spurs with a might be money. So, yeah, well, at this rate, we might we might have to back with Spurs again. But <laughs> I mean, someone someone by all means might come in for for an offer. Uh, you know, entertainment companies and all sorts could see that as a decent venue. So would that affect our lease? I don't. I, from what I've read, I don't think it can because we've we've already signed a ninety nine year lease. Right. So there'd be a lot of legal legal issues involved in in that, and I'm pretty sure um, I did read that Karen Brady has already said that the club got something in the contract that says that if ownership changes or or something goes wrong, then West Ham are protected. Right. So there are a lot of these stories that West Ham are going to be in limbo because you know, the the stadium owners are going going out of business. Well, that's like it's a lot of rubbish, um, and I can see this going going into West Ham's favour in that we we could end up buying this stadium for for next to nothing. A taxpayer aren't gonna be, isn't going to be very pleased, with no. it, but. Uh, but it is what it is, and knock it down, knock it, it down, and, and start again. You know, at the end of the season, we play it for the rest of the season. At the end of the season, let's just we'll do a deal with Wembley, like Tottenham have done, and go from there. I mean, that's a long way off from actually happening, and it's, all it is is speculation at the moment. But f- f- just by reading, reading up on it, and seeing what people have been saying, it does look like that something could happen quite quickly in terms of the administration of of E20 if if it does come to that. Um, again, it's only speculation, but it does it does sound a little bit dodgy, though, doesn't it? It does look dodgy, but it's quite obvious that they've really shot themselves in the foot with this deal with the club because yeah, yeah. you know this is a Premier League football club that that gets 90 to 100 million a year in TV money and they've agreed a deal for two and a half million a year for tenancy for 99 years it's like straight away it's like, hang on this isn't right um, not complaining because it, financially it massively saves West Ham doesn't it of course it does yeah I mean that's part of the, re- part of the reason why we've been able to spend so much money this summer I would have yeah. thought is because yeah. the last two years we've, we've not hardly <laughs> had any outgoings so um, this could turn out to be you know brilliant for the club I think if we do buy it there is potential to either knock it down or, or make some serious renovations to it definitely have to be careful to make sure no one outbids you though you don't want a a random third party coming in and buying that stadium that you have yeah, to play exactly. in. You have to play in for now 99 years. But is it, is it just become more of a more of a mess? Like to me, I'm just thinking, wow, man. Like it's just like there was the issue last week about the honours board and whatnot. That's still ongoing as well. I yeah. mean, just, just, it's just, just another week mess, at West Ham, isn't it? But this is the thing. I mean, it is another week at West Ham. 
but I think for once that this is this is stuff outside of West Ham's control. This, a lot of this isn't of West Ham's doing, which is quite kind of refreshing. <laughs> um, it's not it's not Karen Brady messing up or, or the owners messing up. It's the other way around. So um, I think. I think the club can can help their heads up high for once on this front, and just go. That, I mean, I saw Karen Brady's statement, and I, I make the club absolutely right about what what's gone on. Um, but yeah, it is a complete mess. It'd be really interesting to see where it goes for me over the next couple of weeks. I think so. I mean, I've seen I've seen a few people that seem quite connected. They've they've said that this is the plan all along from the club. The plan is to now buy the stadium, and then in a the couple of years sell the club, and obviously. It, David Sullivan's going to be happy because it increases owning the stadium increases the value of the club tenfold. Yeah, doubles it. Yeah. Um, so the idea is probably, and also if they do buy the stadium, it means that David Sullivan can sell up pretty sharp. Sharpish at the moment, the deal is that he has to wait a few years before he can sell up because the deal with the stadium in Essex. And give what is Gold going to buy him out completely? Uh, no, but no. they'll probably sell to an external. It'll be they'll both go. They'll both go, and it will be hopefully mission complete. Mission complete. I think West Ham, are, West Ham are quite an attractive club to buy, aren't they? Oh, definitely. They're yeah. Near near enough debt free. They no home. Got a stadium that they could own. If, if we do end up buying that stadium, then we I would say we're probably the most attractive club to buy in in London. I'd go with that centre centre of London with a huge fan base. You know, a huge catchment area around East London. Can I be honest with you right now? If I was an investor, I'd rather buy Charlton than West Ham right now. Why? Well, e- even even if we owned that stadium? No, right now. Charlton, Charlton are in more debt than West Ham are. Right now, I'd rather buy Charlton than West Ham. That's a ridiculous thing to say. Not at all. <laughs> with Charlton, <laughs> with, with, with all due respect, there's a fixed asset. There's fixed assets, i.e. the Valley, etc., 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 etc. There's a club that has been stripped back so far that you can actually do what you want to rather than going into West Ham and going geez look at all these players on all these wages look at all these coaches on all these wages I need to do this 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 there's so much less to do and 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 there's actually an upward trajectory that you can plant yourself on with West Ham you've got a fan base there who who are gonna there's a chance the fan base could turn again on you I think there's more chance of West Ham being invested in and making it into the Champions League than there is getting Charlton into the Premier League I'd agree with you because Charlton have, have have got an owner right now who's yeah, it's just ruining the club, kind of it? like you know asset stripping to a point where literally, I mean, he doesn't let the the the, the employees eat crisps. Yeah, it's doesn't eat, let them eat crisps because there's no cleaner. I mean, I mean, uh, I I popped down there a couple of weeks ago, and a steward was bemoaning the fact that there was rubbish everywhere in the ground. Do you know how many cleaners they've got in one, that one ground? Four cleaners for the whole ground. That's mad. Four cleaners for the whole ground. It's sad. It really is sad. The quick, the quick they can find a buyer, the better. But they've, they've, they've had one for a while, but they can't really get. I think it's still in. I think it's still in the in the pipeline, isn't it's, it? It's in the It's been in the pipeline for a year. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, from right now, I think the fixed asset makes them so much more of an attractive proposition because, effectively, I know everyone looks at it as as a business, but if you're buying, obviously, you, you know, you can use that as a credit facility as well. Whereas at West Ham, you've got a lease. I think a big, yeah. a big owner. West, I, I West Ham would be so. West Ham would be such an attractive offer. I, I mean, we know we know that there's been interest from. I mean, it does seem as if Red Bull is still sniffing about. I'm not too sure how. I how feel do you feel about, about Red Bull? I, West I don't. Ham? I don't. I mean. If if they want to invest invest in the club, then go for it. For, you know, be my guest. But what if they turned you into Red Bull London? No, I mean that's when I've got an issue with it. <laughs> that's where I've got an issue. We're going to be what R- RB London. 
Yeah. So, no, I, I'm not too sure I'm, I'm a big fan of that, and I'm pretty sure you'd be well against that as well. Yeah, that's nice. I don't, I don't think West Ham would let that happen, though, would they, no. surely? I, I you mean, are, stranger things have happened. I mean, true. Yeah, we are talking about Golden Sullivan here, but... If, if it happened to anyone, it would be West Ham. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, as you said, I, th- I think, mate, perhaps the reason why there hasn't been any large investment is because of the stadium and that we don't own it, and it's a little bit complicated, but if... if all this speculation does turn out to be true, and you know that we do end up buying it by you know pretty pretty soon. Then I would not be surprised that within two years there'd be a change of ownership and there'd be a large large investment. There'd be someone big coming because I think we are. If we do end up owning that stadium, we'll be the most attractive club in London. Oh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Yeah, chaps, where do you want to take this discussion about the ownership about uh, the um, about the stadium? I mean, if it is a case that Golden Sullivan do end up selling up. How do you look back at their their tenure as custodians of your football club? Uh, we, we've been lied to a lot. There's a lot, been there's been uh, a lot of broken promises. Yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of things said that they shouldn't have said, and I think they have they have slowly learned their lesson. I think last last year's protests, as much as as ugly as it was, mm. and we don't really want to be seeing that. You know, being a realist, it worked. The West Ham fans getting right on the back. The, the owners have put their hand in their pocket and. They've not been on the radio every two minutes or on Sky every two minutes shouting rubbish. David Gold doesn't tweet off as much as he used to. No, no, I think I think you're right. It, I don't think as I don't I don't think it was as as much as they were lying. I think a lot of it was just that they were making promises that at the time they really felt as if they could keep and very very quickly realised soon after they couldn't keep them. But by then it's too late because they've already promised everything. It's a lie, though, isn't it? Um, to an extent, well, I mean, I'm, what I'm saying is they, they weren't they weren't, they weren't deliberately trying to tr- trying to lie to fans just for the sake of you know getting them on side. This is what I mean. I think they've always had their heart, their heart in the right place. Um, I just think that it's got to the stage where they've done. They came in and. They took they took the club on when the club was very very close to yeah. being on its knees, and I'll always respect them for that. I'll always thank be, be thankful for for what they did for us in that moment. First couple of years were okay, and then yeah, okay, we got relegated and came back up. I mean, they've, they've made some dodgy decisions with managers as well, but the whole stadium move and you know changing the crest and what's happened since then and all the stuff with the transfer windows and leaked emails and it's it's one thing after another with them um, particularly over the last three or four years and I think it's got to the point where most fans have gone do you know what the quicker the quicker you leave the better thanks thanks very much but I don't think a lot of fans will ever forgive them for what they've done in terms of the stadium move um, and I that's I, I completely understand that. Yeah, I mean um, they, they they did save the club because they were on the brink of administration, weren't they? And yeah. they were going to be another Leeds, quite possibly. Well, a lot a lot of fans w- won't buy that though, would they? A lot of fans will go, oh well, you know, it, it could have been anyone that bought us. You know, Tony Fernandez. Tony Fernandez well, was, he was close, wasn't he? He was very close, but look what he's done to QPR. Yeah, they're he's in the worst state. They're they're awful. I mean, they they've broken financial fair play rules. Yeah. Yeah, but big I, th- I think with, with QPR, you've got to look at the fact that Tony Fernandez, when he came in, and and we we talk about it so much on, on this station, when he came in, was just desperate to be someone's like mate, and he yeah, he, he was. He just wanted like you know the fans to be like, oh Tony, you're a great guy. You went and signed us some Premier League player, really good ten years ago, but he's really rubbish well, he, now. Didn't he when Golden Sullivan did complete the deal? Didn't he come out and uh, didn't he offer? The money and go like I'll come in and I'll offer to invest. Yeah. yeah, I'll invest in the club, and I just said no. Because he's no, a West Ham right. fan, wasn't he? Yeah, Tony Fernandez. Yeah, Is I he? mean, yeah. I don't know. I think, I think 
the whole oh well it, you know it could have been any, anyone that bought us the fact the fact of the matter is and fact like some of those fans have got to accept the fact that it wasn't anyone else it was those two those two bought the club when it not, wasn't not many people would have not I mean David Sullivan is right in what he says you know they were mad to buy us when they did because we were what is it under a million pound in debt yeah on our knees very very close to administration so to do what he did and to you know to invest the money that he did fine what's happened since has happened I think I think eventually we'll look back on it you know in a, in a few years down and go do you know what they they did the right thing at the time it all depends on what happens with the stadium I don't think Karen Brady's helped the the, the relationship between the board and the fans I very much I don't think she has um, again I think it's all, it's all been very innocent but very 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 quickly she she realised that you know, she probably needs to just be a little bit quiet yeah I mean she, she's look she's a great businesswoman oh she really fantastic is. yeah and she got us that deal for the stadium that we're just sitting here praising two minutes ago so she's the one who sort, sorted all of that out mm. But, you know, she said a lot of stuff that she shouldn't have said as well. Yeah, I mean, the the column in, in the newspaper don't help, does it? No. Because um, she says stuff in there that's just like, why are you saying that in the newspaper? We don't need to know that. Tweet, tweeting out people to watch her programme while West Ham are live on the telly. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I mean... But, we, we, it, again, it's all, when all that was going on, it was just typical West Ham, wasn't it? It was at a stage where it was like, yeah, it's just one thing after another. Yeah. Okay. Um, straight after it wasn't long after Mark Noble said that this club's not run like a cir- circus no more no and then the following two years are exactly that yeah I'm I, I, I'm, I'm sent that video regularly <laughs> by some of my uh, non-West Ham sporting friends yeah 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 I'm sitting that a lot I actually said that on this show actually I was like we've, we've been run like a proper football club now and someone I tweeted that out as a quote the other day and someone went that's what Mark Noble said two years ago yeah so yeah we'll always be remembered for that I mean yeah that that, that speech is uh, is going to live long in the memory of uh, of a lot of ads again unfortunately sometimes it's the power of the internet isn't it yeah the fact that people can bring up tweets from not like, five years ago and go ha there you go mm. in, in your face you know chaps let's look ahead to the game on Saturday Wolves at home who's going yeah I'll be there yeah I, I won't be there I'm at a christening who has these events during the football season? Selfish, isn't it? On a Saturday as well. I oh, know, don't, don't. Surely it'd be like a Sunday, wouldn't it? It's a Sunday job, isn't it? Oh, this one's on a Saturday for some reason. Yeah. Are you going to be taking any devices to keep you know, yeah, yourself entertained? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be watching on my phone. Good man. Good man. <laughs> <laughs> keep the football out of uh, out of football. Um, what do you expect from this one? Of, of course, you know, they play very, very well against, uh, against um, City on, yeah. on Saturday Wolves. What do you expect from them? Okay, again, we don't really know what to expect from them, but they're still searching for their first win. They're going to be up for it. I think. I think that point against City and that performance they put in against City will give them a lot of confidence. It will make them feel more like a Premier League club, won't it? And they'll, they'll see us as, as definitely um, an opportunity to get their first win, given that we, we we haven't even got a point on the ball yet. We're the only team left in the Premier League without one. And our, our, our Wolves are going to be definitely up. They'll see us as a, a big opportunity to get to get all three points, given our record at the stadium, our record this season. And they do look good. I mean, they've spent a lot of money. Uh, George Mendes has, has been a bit of a, a benefactor to them, hasn't he? I mean, the likes of Jamatino, R- uh, Ruben Neves, so like Patricio to keep Patricio. I mean, so many like players that shouldn't should really be at Wolves, should they? I mean, it, it's it's a little bit it's a little bit strange to see them there, but a fair play to them. They they bossed the championship last year, and I reckon they'll be all right this year. I think they'll be a mid-table club moving forward as well. Um, the manager looks pretty good Santo 
Um, so I think they're going to be they're going to be a dangerous side of, of, of the three n- newly promoted clubs you played this season. And I think they're going to be the strongest and the most dangerous. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I, I think the way the West Ham need to play is we need to let other teams have the ball a little bit and then mm. counter attack them. But I think Wolves are very similar in that in that sense. They also want to be counter attacking, so it could be quite a standoffish sort of game. Um, you know, I thought they counter-attacked against Man City really well I know it was a handball for the goal or whatever but I thought they deserved the point overall mm. um, I watched the game before Arsenal and yeah I don't think Man City can come away thinking too harsh for themselves I think a draw was a fair result I'm a bit worried about this one not going to lie I think Wolves Wolves just just starting to tick a little bit they were very unlucky to lose at Leicester the way they did I think they deserved something there they hit the post twice I think mm. the bar once and I don't think their results have really, really judged their performances. I think they've been better than their results. The game at Everton on the f- at home to Everton on the first game of the season, they should have won that. Mm. No doubt. I know Everton had ten men, but Wolves really should have won that game. Yeah, I mean, you say that they've started to tick, but I think so have we. Agree. Yeah. Um, and if we can, if we can put in a, if we can put in a similar performance as we did at Arsenal. Against anyone outside the top six, I think we've got a chance of beating them. Yeah, the only thing I'm worried about is that if if we do have all the ball and we, we're having loads of possession, are we going to be able to break them down? Because we look so good against Arsenal on the counter-attack rather than mm. in p- possession-based play. So I'm I'm just hoping that... Well, th- you know. this, is, this is the difference in that against Bournemouth, we had that problem where we couldn't break them down. We had all the ball, couldn't break them down. That's what I'm worried might happen on Saturday. Um... But that was. But I think if we were to play Anderson at ten, where he's got a little bit more of that creative freedom rather than playing out wide, I think that's potentially what we were missing against. We played four four two against Bournemouth, yeah. um, and I think that that's probably what we were missing against Bournemouth in that we just didn't have that. You know, someone to really un- unlock the defence. Some some of a killer ball. And if Arnautovic is not playing, that could be a worry as well. Exactly. Yeah. But if we can play. Um, same formation, same tactics, same same philosophy, same ideas, um, but with Anderson just really sort of pulling the strings, in, you know, and, and releasing the likes of Hernandez or Anatovic or whoever's up front. I think we might have a better opportunity of breaking the defence down, breaking them down, than we did against Bournemouth, where we didn't have that because he was pushed out wide. And I think that's why he was so ineffective, is because he, he just really wasn't used to it. Yeah, and that hopefully that midfield two can play together against Sanchez and Wilshere. Yeah. Hopefully that'll they should, they should be able to win that battle. They won the battle against Arsenal, so hopefully they can do that against a, a lesser Wolves. Mm. I think I think what's what's so important for us now is that we start getting a bit of consistency in that in that starting eleven because mm. we haven't had it. It's been three um, changes every game, isn't it so far? Th- at least three changes, three different formations. Yeah. Um, back four has not been back, the same once. Back four hasn't been the same. So you know, midfield hasn't been the same either. Midfield two or midfield no. three hasn't been the same. So. It, I, it, I think he's really got to play the same eleven if he can, depending on on Artovich's fitness. We can play the same eleven. So it's a little bit, you know, a bit of consistency. Wilshere and Sanchez will will feel comfortable alongside each other because they had that good game against Arsenal. And I think once you start having that consistency, once you start deciding on your strong eleven, that's when it really starts to kick in because the players get used to it. The players start reading each other's games. Um, and what we don't really want to see is, you know, us getting into end of September and he's still, you know, not too sure. He's still experimenting a little bit because at the moment that's all he's doing is experimenting. And I think that's part of the reason why we had a bit of a slow start. Yeah, I mean, that's what I thought that's what pre-season was for, to 
figure out your best 11 but three games in and he's made three or four changes every game mm. he clearly doesn't know his best 11 I think he can't change that back four again if he if he randomly drops Masuaku from the squad completely you're, you're sitting there thinking what, what's going on here I think the players will be more more confused as the fans though yeah. to start. I mean to to drop was it Rice, Antonio and Fredericks after the Liverpool game and not, not include him in the squad no and then do the same to Zab- was it Zabaleta this time around? Yeah, Ogbonna. Ogbonna. Just vanished. So, very, very strange. But, but yeah, we, we get tomorrow out of the way. Hopefully we can nick a win against Wimbledon and then then we, then we, then we, then we look ahead to Wolves. I won't worry too much about Wolves at the moment. We want to get a bit of a cut run, get, get our first win of the season under the belt, get a bit of confidence going, I think. That's exactly right. And I, th- I think a win tomorrow night does give us that confidence to go in Saturday even if it's not the same 11 I know I said earlier that if we lose it then you know we shouldn't be worried because it won't be the same 11 but just like in the dressing room um, that sort of feel good factor if we do get a win regardless of who it's against I think that will give us a bit of a boost I think it was 1977 someone said that when West Ham lost their first four four games at the start of the season 1977 yeah so if we lose tomorrow then that will be the first four games the year of the Queen's Silver Jubilee Oh, yeah, but you're older than me, mate. Wow. Sure was. What, am I? I don't know. I, I don't remember 1977. Me neither. I was born in 91, pal. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, who do you look at as the key man for them? Because obviously we know about their uh, links with Georges Mendes. I mean, Ruben Neves is some player, isn't he? He's special. I think he's, he's, he's one of the... Different gravy. One think. of the best midfielders outside the top six, you'd say, wouldn't you? God, yeah, I mean, he should be playing for a top six club, I think. Yeah. Um, I think he'd walk in Arsenal's team. Yeah, he's a sort of player that Arsenal could do with. Yeah. I, I, I do like... I mean, Moutinho's getting on a little bit. Um, I do like that Yotta. Mm. It looks quite good. I quite like Adama Traore as well. He's not really... I don't think he started a game yet. But I know the West Ham are after him as well. He uh, came from Middlesbrough. He came off the bench at the weekend. He came off the bench, yeah. He, he looked very good. Uh, he's absolutely paced to burn. So Club I, record signing, I think. I'm hoping yeah. he doesn't start against us, to be honest, because him against Masuaku would be quite funny to watch. Yeah, that would be quite funny. My, my issue with Adama Traore is that, uh, when he was, particularly when he was at Borough, was that he, he was, all, was all pace and, you know, there was no end product. He'd, no. he'd beat two or three players. He'll get down that. He'll get down the wing. Get down the right hand side, and then the ball will end up in Rosehead. Yeah. Or he'll be in the middle of the pitch, and you know he'll, he'll do a couple of little tricks, and he'll try and ping it from thirty yards. Ball will be Rosehead. Yeah. And I just felt it's a bit cliche, is it? I mean, we remember like when Aaron Lennon came through and Theo Walcott when he was mm. coming through. They had similar accusations, weren't there? Yeah. I just I'd never really seen anything from I haven't seen him score many goals or, or get any assists or you know he, he looked good when he came on against City and he, he beat a couple of men and almost, almost set up a goal he's, a, he's an exciting player though he's think. exciting yeah he's, 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 a, he's a he's a he's a sort of player that will get, get fans on their feet mm. but it's just whether he's got that, that end product for me I'm just, I'm just not convinced that he can do it consistently he's got to prove that definitely yeah Manuel Pellegrini, how do you? Um, I mean, look, we, we we haven't really talked much um, about you know him and his tactics and whatnot. Does the defensive aspect concern you? Obviously, with you know how many goals he's prone to sort of shipping. Yeah, and, I mean, it's already what nine goals in three games. You can't be averaging conceding three goals a game and stay up. So that's definitely something we need to work. On. I was doing a bit of research on this. I, I, I wrote a column for West Ham Fanzine. Should uh, should be out next month. Um, I, I, I deliberately waited until last year Arsenal game because it was I was asked to write about West Ham's defence and what Pellegrini can do. Um, so I waited until last year after the Arsenal game, another three goals shipped. But 
if you look at Pellegrini at, at Man City, it's three years at Man City, they conceded, I think, over 100 goals in three seasons. None of those seasons did they end the season with the best defence. I think one year they, the year they won it, they still conceded 10 more than the third place Chelsea. Um, so all of his teams have conceded goals. I know that's Man City and that we're not Man City, but that's I think that's it's proof that it's all about attack. He prefers that he doesn't. He, he's less worried about the defence than he's more. He wants to. If you've got your attacking play sorted, then all the defence is an afterthought. And I think what if you look at Man City's record defensively under him for those three years, it's kind of. An, like an indicator of what we can expect at West Ham obviously our defensive record is going to be worse because we don't have the players of the same calibre as Man City but I think I think we'll, we will tighten up but I don't think we should expect it to get to the point where we're keeping clean sheets all the time Yeah I mean the, the worrying thing is you know that Man City team score goals for fun you know and West Ham we just simply won't be doing that you know we scored what two goals so far mm. one was a penalty you know. I think, but I think the, the performance against Arsenal suggested that we have the, we have the the ability to maybe not score goals for fun, but we'll create a lot of chances, create a lot of chances and score goals. And if we can be a little bit more clinical in front of goal, there's no reason why we can't can't go on and do that. No, I mean if he if he can get Hernandez scoring, if if we can, you know, as Aaron said earlier, if we can actually create the chances for him and put them on a plate for him, he will put them in the goal. Mm. So. And with Anderson and Snodgrass is playing out like, out of his skin, maybe they will. Maybe they will create the chances that Hernandez needs. You never know. Yeah, I think I just think that in terms of defence, obviously, it's, as you said, we can't average three goals a game. It's just a car crash. It'll, it'll end up all in tears. But you know, if we can tighten up a little bit, I'm not expecting us to to beat have the Premier League's best defence. Um, we can't, we can't afford middle to be of the, the road. Worst, though. Oh, exactly. No, that's very true. Definitely can't, gents. Give me a uh, a prediction. It's gonna be a, a, a big one. It's Wimbledon versus West Ham live on Sky tomorrow night. How do you see it going down? I'm gonna go one 0 West Ham. Two 0 West Ham. And Saturday, two clean sheets there. Look. West Ham versus <laughs> Wimbledon. Uh, West Ham versus Wolverhampton Wanderers. Oh, one all. Well, I'll go one as well. No Premier League. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! What's this? You call no, no conferring. There'll be no conferring. Is it? No, we'll nick it two-one. Snodgrass two screamer. One. Snodgrass screamer. I'll be all over that. You'll be all over that, wouldn't yeah. you? Where you're going to be there, aren't you? I'll be, I'll be up in the christening. <laughs> Big up. <laughs> Pick up the Christmas. It's Lost Sport Radio. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. There you go. It's your West Ham fan show. Don't forget, you can catch up on demand via lovesportradio.com. Hit the on demand button, find the West Ham logo, and there you have it. Sports Social Podcast Network.